Strange Dogs can be rated or evaluated fairly apart from the rest of the series. But that's not going to stop some content creators from doing so. Just know that you don't have to worry about that here at the Women of the Expanse podcast. Strange Dogs is also the name of a novella in the Expanse universe. The novella follows a young girl's harrowing adventure as one of the first settlers on the new planet of Laconia. Laconia is one of the beyond one of the planets beyond the rings that's being populated with Martians. And it's governed by Admiral Winston Duarte, a man with designs on building a galactic empire. Now, let's find out what the women of the Expanse did in season six, episode one called Strange Dogs. Kara. The episode opens with a young girl identifying the flora and fauna on the planet of Laconia. There are grunchers and sunbirds and sunbabies. They sometimes resemble animals seen on Earth and sometimes not. Kara decides to give all the creatures names once she figures out how to tell them apart. Kara feeds the sunbirds when a rustling noise interrupts her. She thinks the noise is from her brother Zan, who she's told to stop following her. But Zan is not the one making this rustling noise. Another Laconian creature is making itself known to Kara. The unknown creature observes Kara tending to an injured sunbird before we go to the credits. Then we see a Chiron that reads ring number 673, planet 2, Laconia. Bobby Draper and Christian Avasarala. Bobby and Christian share most of their scenes in this episode. They're at a high-yield grain farm near the Mediterranean. As Bobby updates the Secretary General on three asteroids destroyed by the fleet of combined MCRN and UN ships. A scientist informs that four fragments touched ground on Earth with two causing serious damage to populated areas with casualties under 500. Christian is not happy. Every attack garners more support for Marco Anaris's cause. Bobby tries to give Christian good news about a new Mars Doniger class ship becoming operative in a month. Three more battleships should be ready by year's end. But Christian has heard enough. She dismisses one of her aides so she can talk to Bobby alone. Christian briefs Bobby on the latest biospheric assessment. The carbon dioxide scrubbers have been repurposed to clean the asteroid debris before it can get to Earth and contaminate the air and water. 
but the scrubbers can't keep up with the number of rocks being launched at Earth. Every rock kills us a little more, even when they miss, Christian says. Later, Christian is stopped by reporters in the hall of a UN ship. Monica and other journalists press her for answers about a possible peace treaty with Anaros. Christian refuses to answer and finally leaves. Monica turns to Bobby, who tries to respond diplomatically without giving any de definite answers. Christian gives Bobby a quick performance review. She knows Bobby hates the job, but won't let her quit. If Christian can't leave, why should Bobby get to? They're both sick of doing nothing. So Christian suggests Bobby go help the Rocinante crew find the Inaro spotter ship. They need a big win to keep the planet's hopes alive. Naomi Nagata we first see Naomi as she and the rest of the Rasananti crew are caught up in a battle in the belt. It's day 187 of this war against the Free Navy. After they fire on the Free Navy ship hiding behind asteroids in the belt, Holden wants to investigate. But Naomi, Naomi warns against that, saying that Free Navy loves improvised bombs and proximity triggers. Something Naomi knows first fucking hand. Instead of investigating, the crew decides to repair what parts of the ship that they can. Naomi sends a drone out to scan the wreckage. She finds something that Holden assumes is another ship, but that she realizes is a drive from a ship. Naomi is still in a grief-slash-guilt spiral over the former pilot's death. She is taking it out on the rest of the crew, who's also grieving. Everybody on the ship is testy, but I'm sure fans of the show will only focus on Naomi acting out. She gets into a spat with Amos about bringing Clarissa on board without asking her or James. Amos brings up how she gave the protomolecule sample to Fred Johnson without consulting anyone. Everyone forgets how the boys and the crew acted like whiny babies about that for several episodes before Naomi dipped out. Kind of sick of the guys constantly throwing this up in her face every time they disagree about something. She finds a spotter ship called the Azure Dragon that sends signals to a guiding system linked to the asteroids pointed at Earth. Holden wants to destroy the ship so it would be harder for Marco to keep hitting Earth. Naomi finally tells Holden what is really bugging her. Marco has pulled her into violence again with this war. Now she's hunting and killing other belters. She's not sure how much longer she can bear it. Nico and Rosenfeld. Nico Sandrani is the series station chief administrator. 
The Free Navy has taken control of Ceres Station. Nico and Rosenfeld Guilian are bi- are briefing Marco Anaros on the lack of shipments of agricultural supplies from Earth. They're too busy trying to knock down our rocks, Rosenfeld says. The belters can build up their supplies while Earth falters and use hydroponics and live soil farming to boost food production on the station. Production levels on series could increase by 15 to 20 percent in the first year. Nico mentions Anderson Dawes and Marco cuts them off to say that Dawes is dead. Possibly because the actor has gone on to star in Chernobyl and Apple TV's Foundation. Philip joins the meeting late because he was busy boning a nameless belter woman. Rosenfeld briefs Marco on the retaliation taken against belters who don't pledge allegiance to the Free Navy. The Free Navy still haven't found Drummer, so they increase the bounty by 20%. Same goes for the Rosinante. At another meeting that Philip is late for, Rosenfeld states that she doesn't care about Siri Station or its need for resources. We owe these people nothing, she says. We see that Marco wants to be back in the fight, not doing any of the administrative or logistical work required of a new regime. Then Marco gives an impromptu speech. Philip is starting to see that his father is full of crap and loves to hear himself talk. Kamina Drummer A free Navy bounty hunter has found the DeWalt and Tynan ships. Joseph is ready to fire, but Drummer says to wait until the direct fire weapon is lined up to the bounty hunter's ship. Michio has orders to fire on Drummer's signal, but hits the wrong button and misfires. The crew of the DeVault has transferred to the Tynan in time, but most of the rations and munitions were not transferred. They only have three missiles left, but they got the bounty hunter. Later, Drummer decides to head for a science station on Triton so they can refuel and rearm the ship. Plus, there will be fewer eyes on them along the way if they go to Triton. And after talking to Joseph, Drummer decides that Michio needs to leave the Tynan and stay on a safe belter station until they can come back for her. Clarissa Mao. Not much for Clarissa in this episode. She has some ideas about what's wrong with the PDCs and goes to fix them. She steers clear of Naomi as much as possible. And that's it for the this episode of the Women of the Expanse podcast. 
to tell me what you think of about the show, you can tweet at BlackGirlSquee or email BlackGirlSquee at gmail.com and put Women of the Expanse in the subject line. Voice memos are cool too. Until next time, remember, the Women of the Expanse are the best thing about the show. Misogynist, stay mad. Bye.